blessed is the one who will eat in the kingdom of God. They were my words ringing out across the table that day. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus heard me. He should have. I directed those words at him, you know. It was a Sabbath day. We, a whole load of us, were guests in the house of a senior Pharisee. And we'd been talking. Well, Jesus had been talking. Jesus had been telling us stories. He'd started off that day with a healing, which, you know, is a bit awkward on a Sabbath. You're not meant to do a healing on the Sabbath. Surely Jesus should have known that. And, and we, were, we were really religious Jews. There were rulers of the people there, like, kind of awkward. But we'd not had dinner yet, so we stayed. And then Jesus started talking. He started telling stories. He told a story about how, when we sat down to the table, of course, that we should take the lowest seat, not the highest seat. Again, a bit toe curling. Everybody knows where you sit at the table. You know who you are, and you know where you sit, where you're in the pecking order. And then Jesus comes and tries to turn it all upside down. And then there's this whispered aside to the host, which I heard, and I think everyone else heard. It was kind of one of those Jesus stage whispers. Don't invite just the rich people to your feast. Don't invite just the in crowd. Invite the people that no one else would invite. You know, sometimes when a social event is so awkward, you're kind of like, I'm not sure I want to stay for dinner. Because we were the rich, we were the super religious, we were the in crowd. And Jesus was basically saying, don't invite these people. So, you know, maybe I was uncomfortable that day. Rich, religious man amongst rich, religious men. I confess, that's why I said it. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. I said it and it's true, I stand by it, but you know, kind of said it to end the awkwardness. Because socially what Jesus should have said as, 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 as a response was amen or some other equivalent blessing affirming the truth of the statement and then we could have all just moved on and eaten. So I said it and then Jesus in the way that he had, just skewered me with his eyes. And he told a story. He didn't get the memo that he was supposed to give a pious, bland answer so we could all move on. He told a parable implying that his answer to my statement that blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, that the answer to that statement was yes, but... Now, I'm a Jew, I'm a guest of a religious leader, I'm planning to eat at that feast I spoke about. That feast at the end of time, I'm going to be there. That law, the prophets, what my people have, the scriptures, our scriptures, they are the invitation to me and to my people. And as far as I'm concerned, that invitation is for Jews only. Jews who live right and Jews who look right. Just like God wants the animals that we sacrifice to be perfect, so also it stands to reason we have to be perfect, ethically, even actually physically. And this feast thing is throughout the whole of our teachings. 
Isaiah, the prophet, talks about it. In fact, hang on a second, and I'll find the scroll, and I'll read it to you. He says this about the banquet. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Now, I know I lived 2,000 years before you, but you've got that text in your Bibles too. That bit that you call the Old Testament, you got it from us first. So you'll find it referenced in Isaiah 25. As far as I'm concerned, it's about halfway through the Isaiah scroll. Now, I want you to know this. I know in that bit that I just read to you, it says all peoples, all nations, all faces across the whole of the earth. I know that, right? It says all, but you know, all doesn't mean all. You've got to read it in context, you know. And the teachings of my leaders tell me that what it really means, what Isaiah was trying to say, was all Jews. And actually, the teachings of of right across my time say the same thing. The Targum we rely on, the book of Enoch, you don't have that in your Bibles, although you've got a reference to it in your New Testament. The book um, also of uh, the people at Qumran, just down the road, really religious Jews, they are absolutely convinced that this text relates only to all Jews. So, you know, that's what I understand about this text. And then I carry on reading in Isaiah, and I see that it's rich food, it's aged wine, it's the best of meats, and I, I don't know about you, but at this point, my taste buds are watering. That is going to be some feast at the end of time, and no death, no tears. What is not to like? about this feast. So anyway, Jesus starts talking about this feast thing. And he talks about that invite that we Jews have received. And then he goes on to what happens next. Now, in the story he told, what he says about two invites makes total sense. That's how it works in our time. If you're planning a feast, what you do is you send out an invitation to all the people that you want to go. And you see what they say, and based on the number who say yes, you know, am I going to kill a chicken for this feast, or am I going to kill a full-on big cow? So then, once you've had your yeses, you then start killing the food and cooking the meat. And when it's ready, because it takes a long time to do all that much cooking, When it's ready, you send your servant with a second invitation saying, come now, the food's ready. Now, here's the deal. It's not okay to back out when the second invitation comes. That's not, do you want to come? That's, you said you were going to come. Now it's time to come. Come. But in Jesus' story, the guests start making excuses. Frankly, they're poor excuses. Seriously, just bought a field, need to go and look at it. Just bought five yoke of oxen, 
need to go check them out. I mean, nobody does that in your day. That's like buying a house without ever looking at the buyer's pack or the legals or the, doing a survey. Like, you don't do it. You don't just buy a house and go, oh, whoops, I bought a house today. Better go check what it's like. It was a poor excuse. Even the guy who said he'd just got married, the thing is he was not in the middle of his marriage celebration week. If he had been, he never would have said yes to the first invitation. This was not a man who could not get out of the house because he was in the process of his week's celebration. And frankly, if he had been, the host in this story would never have scheduled a competing feast because everybody goes to weddings. It's a sure way to make sure no one turns up to your feast is to schedule it during someone else's wedding. So these excuses in the story, they were poor. And unsurprisingly, the master was rightfully angry. These people had already said Yes. This second invitation wasn't a time to say no. It's a day or so later after the first invitation. Whatever they were doing, they knew they were doing. They weren't supposed to be saying no at this point. But you know what happened was that they didn't value the feast enough to show up. And so they didn't get to eat. Now, at this point in the story, I've got to tell you, it was more awkward than all of those awkward moments put together before that, because I was not liking where this was going. Jesus, at this point, in my mind at least, seems to be implying he is the emissary of God. He is the servant of the master who's sent to say, come now, everything's ready. And now that's awkward. I'm not saying he's not. He might well be that servant. I'm not saying he's not. But if he is that servant inviting me now to the banquet, saying it's about to come good. I'm sitting there thinking, I have a decision to make. I can give the same reasons as the people in Jesus' story about why I'm not quite ready yet to show up for this feast. You know, I, I have a family to look after and I have fields to uh, plant and I have money to make. I have things to do. I mean, this whole idea of a feast at the end of time, Jesus, that's great, but I'm not ready yet. Or I can choose to respond to the invitation and say, okay, I'm coming now. I'll drop everything. So that's the first bit of awkward. But the second bit of awkward is I'm also sitting around that table looking at these men just like me, thinking, most of the people around this table, possibly me included, we all have that same first invitation. We've all read the law and the prophets. And most of us are going to choose the business. We're going to choose the family. We're going to choose life now. We'd rather hold the golden ticket for heaven than actually have to use it and start the journey because starting the journey means leaving stuff behind. And I could see there right then, it would cost us our businesses, it would cost us our money making, it would cost us family, like any other priority I could think of, I was going to have to set aside if I was going to go to this feast, because this feast does not do takeout. You've got to go. So, there's me, total turmoil, wishing I had never said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus carries on with the story, and if it could possibly have got worse, I wouldn't have known how, but it did. The banquet my teachers told me was only for people like me. It turns out, according to Jesus, is actually for a whole load of others. 
He includes specifically people like the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. All of those whom the scriptures imply are less than whole. The Jews who are outsiders because they're unclean for temple worship, they're banned from full participation in, in, in our worship because they're maimed. All these people from the city, I mean, that clearly is about the Jews. But then, like, it's bad enough at this point. But then Jesus says, oh, and by the way, since the feast is not full at this point, the master sends the servant out again, but this time outside of the city into the hedges and the highways. And I'm thinking you have to be pretty slow as a Jew to not get this. Outside of the city? That's outside of Zion. That's outside of the Jewish people. That's, that's, that's you lot. The Gentiles, the non-Jews, that's you lot. I wasn't up for that. So my brain at this point is hurting. Does that mean Isaiah actually meant all when he said all? Now, obviously, it's great news for you guys. It's interesting, in his story, he said, with you people, the ones in the highways and the hedges, not very flattering, but hey, that's where he said you were, you had to be compelled or urged to come in. I get it. I understand why you'd have to be urged. You didn't get the first invitation. You're getting the invitation that says, come now, all is ready. It's like free food. You know when someone just goes, free food, it's all made, just come. You didn't have to plan it in your diary, but just come, come and eat the food. Of course you're a bit like, is there a catch? Really? This good? And I get it for nothing? You can hardly believe it when someone says to you, come and eat. And I reckon some of you in this room may need to hear that right now, that Jesus is saying, come now into my kingdom. I know, I know that you live 2,000 years after me. So you and I are not necessarily going to get more conversations like this. But I tell you, there will be people here you can talk to about that invitation. Nicola, the vicar here, some of the other leaders can talk with you about that invitation if you want. The invitation to come now to the Feast of God, a feast that begins today, that changes everything, but also on top of that, one day will be fulfilled in a way beyond your ability to imagine. Because it turns out that my teachers were wrong and Isaiah really did mean all. The invitation is open to you, whoever you are. Whatever you've done, Isaiah meant all. And so for you, it's an opportunity to say yes to the invitation now, to do that right now in your heart if you want to. And then talk to Nicola or someone else about what does it mean then to get on the journey? What does it mean to show up at this feast? You need to understand, if you do that, you need to understand what I, as a Pharisee, as one of the Jewish religious people, have learned. And that is, it's not just about saying yes. A yes to the feast means more than words. It means then laying down everything to actually show up. Others of you, though, you're not in the highways and hedges. You may live 2,000 years after me. You may be Gentile. But the way that Jesus' story might be told to you today, I reckon Jesus might say you are more like me. Sure, in a different way than I did, you received that first invitation. 
you said yes, you became a Christian. And at a time unknown to you, God's servant Jesus is going to come and he's going to say, come now. And so that thing that's awkward to me, that's making me ask a whole load of questions about my life, should be awkward to you too. Because here's the question I'm asking. Will I drop everything? I said yes to the first invitation, but when he says, come now, will I drop everything? Am I living the kind of life right now when nothing is more important than taking hold of this golden ticket and using it? I can't just hold it in reserve, just in case. It doesn't work like that. You've got to show up to the feast. An invitation is not enough. If you want to eat, you've got to go. And to go, you've got to choose not to do the other things. So for me, it means not focusing on my fields and my oxen and my family life as being priority over everything else. In your century, it probably looks different. In your century, it probably looks about not having to chase the zeros in your bank account. It probably looks like not losing yourself in the things that make you feel good. It probably means not choosing to self-medicate when life is difficult. It probably means choosing not to lose yourself in cars and property and the latest technology. Anything that makes this coming feast look less real or less important, it probably means turning your back on those things. You see, that day at table when I was trying to shut Jesus up, not that that worked. What I learned was a yes long ago is not enough. Our lives must be one long yes in readiness for that moment when he says, come, everything is ready. Because contrary to what Isaiah, according to my teachers, was saying, actually, all really does mean all. Everyone is invited, everyone gets to eat, Except, and here's the kicker for you and for me. It was the last words Jesus said to me in this, in this story. If you don't show up, you don't get to eat. Everybody's invited, but only you determine whether or not you go, whether or not you eat. Only you determine whether or not you choose to be included. And that was Jesus' yes, but answer to me that day. Yes, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. But a one-off yes is not enough. Our lives must be one long yes in readiness for that moment when he says, come. So what decision did I make, I hear you ask? Well, Bible doesn't tell you, so I'm not gonna tell you either. But I will tell you this. I thought long and hard that day. You can tell, I'm still thinking about it. Trying to work out what in my life has got bigger to me than the future in the kingdom of God. What in my life makes me think that having the golden ticket to heaven and not using it is any good kind of outcome? That's me. As for you, your decision is all down to you. This is the last conversation you're going to get to have with me because doubtless time travel is going to whisk me back to where I came from. But here's your choice. Will you just say that one-off yes 
and then not live a life ready for that second, now everything is ready, now come invitation? Or will you live a life that is one long yes to Jesus?